0: My answer was over and over again, but it wasn't an answer of the head. It was an answer of the heart. I have the solution. And the thing is, if we don't execute on this, things will continue to fail. Healthcare will not thrive in the way that it should, and people won't get the care that they need.
1: All right, we are here today with Cindy Salas-Murphy. Cindy Salas-Murphy is the founder and CEO of With Health, a San Diego-based company that combines precision health with telemedicine to make access to specialty physicians affordable and immediate. Cindy has more than 20 years of experience leading transformation in healthcare for hospitals, medical groups, and as an entrepreneur with a successful exit. Her outcomes include the growth of a startup to more than 1 billion under management, improved patient safety, quality, service and growth while also reducing cost and optimizing productivity levels. Her passions include precision health, improving access to care, destigmatizing mental health, and eliminating health disparities. Welcome, Cindy.
0: Thank you, Brett. Thanks for having me.
1: Sure. It's my pleasure. Uh, As as you know, uh, kind of the format of our show is to start at the beginning and want to hear your full life journey and how you've arrived at the success that you're having and the, the work that you're doing. It's an exciting time, certainly in your industry, and certainly very timeful uh, to to be hearing about what you're currently doing, but I want to hear the whole story. So let's start at the beginning. Tell me a little bit about kind of your early life, your childhood, your family, wherever you want to start. You
0: bet. You bet. So I am the daughter of two immigrants. I come from a, a wonderful family that is very loving and very focused on doing better for themselves and doing better for others. And so it was instilled in me since I was a very, very little child. And my mom had a disability. And and so I would see my dad put my mom's pantyhose on every day. And no matter that my mom was disabled, she would always dress herself so well. She would always take care of herself so beautifully and my dad, before he would go to work, would put my mom's pantyhose on. I, I I would see that sometimes waking up very early, and and I thought, wow, what a life of service. And so, growing up in that environment, one that's very loving and and my parents would always tell me, you can do anything. There is nothing you can't do. Now I am one of five children. My three brothers passed away when they were infants. And so it's just my mm-hmm. sister and I. And so my parents dove deep and and really dedicated their lives to making sure we had everything we needed and supporting my sister and I through our journeys. And so mm-hmm. I feel tremendously blessed to have a family, and to this day, one that's very supportive and one that's very encouraging. I really never knew limits of what a girl could do, quote unquote, what a boy could do. There there was really no limits. And, and it's interesting uh, recently with what we saw with Sarah Fuller and being the first uh, SEC female player, football player, You know, it's just, it's so exciting because it's how I was raised that there are no limits. And and now we're, we're seeing that and here I am 44 years later and I'm seeing that in play.
1: So, yeah, uh, yeah. well, 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 that, that's, that is great. I want to kind of unpack all of that with you and, and talk to you certainly about kind of this no limits, um, this this no limits kind of mindset that you were instilled with, which which no doubt, you know, has to have played a big role in your life and in the success that you're having. But but tell me a little bit more kind of about your 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 mother and and your father. I'm really curious about that, you know, what a beautiful memory a way to kind of uh, you know embody you know what it meant to be of service and to be selfless and to be loving um, to see your father, you know kind of um, be with your mother that way. what what a beautiful thing. And I'm curious, you know, you've said a lot, you know, you had your your brothers that passed away as as infants and and you know what what was it like? you know kind of how young were you when you were seeing this and and was your mom, was she, was she disabled when you were born or is that something that happened early on? Tell me a little bit more about
0: it. It actually that. happened on their honeymoon. My mom became disabled on their honeymoon. They were in a horrible accident. Oh. And oh. Um, unfortunately, all kids, we all, all five of us were, were post-disability. But I'll tell you, I think the, the most, I would say the biggest lesson that I took from all of that was the love that comes from someone to another person. And in this case, it was my parents towards each other and towards us as children, towards me as a child, really opened the field for me. And and I'll tell you, just to go back and and share with you a little bit more, my, my mom could never sit on the floor and play with me, play dolls with me like every other mom. She could stand, she could walk slowly, but she could never sit on the floor and play dolls. And so my dad became my playmate and and we played outside and we rode bikes and we would run and, and we would swim and we would do things that were physically active because I couldn't do that with my mom. I was in Brownies and Girl Scouts and... Many of the girls have their moms hiking with them. I couldn't have that. I couldn't hike with my mom. Uh, I think the first and only hike I've ever done with my mom was in Kauai. It was when the Super Bowl was in San Diego and I was itching to get out so I wouldn't be there. I lived very close to the stadium. And so I, my folks and I went to Kauai and we did this beautiful, beautiful walk. And, and it was my mom's first hike. It it was incredible, Mm -hmm. remarkable, but it was something that I could never do as a child with her. And so my relationship with her became really a relationship of of talking. We did a lot of talking. We did a lot of connecting in that way. And so I think I, I have to tell you, Brett, I think that's one of the reasons why I need connection, why I need that verbal connection with people. When we went into shutdown with COVID, my first thought is, oh, my goodness, what are we going to do? Mm-hmm. But isn't it ironic that I've created a telemedicine company that connects people through video, not in yeah.
1: person, right?
0: Because yeah. that in-person yeah. connection is something that I've always learned to be what's necessary for, for true connection. But yeah. what we've been able to do is to create that true connection through video. We've been able yeah. to help people get back to work. And, and I mean, it's crazy, right? Yeah, crazy.
1: well, it is. And, and this is this is the thing that I kind of love. And the reason why I like to kind of hear the full story is because I believe that these experiences... Uh, especially the ones that kind of show us what we long for, what we didn't have, what we we what our kind of hearts desire, our souls are meant to have. We we eventually, by not having it, get to really get to understand how bad or how important uh, it is. You know how bad we want it or how important it is for others to have it, and then we can create because of it. And and so you know that's what you've done and and I I, I promise we're going to talk all about that. Um, I still want to kind of yes. uh, hear more about kind of this 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 family life because I do find it to be really it's really fascinating and it's really uh, beautiful. I mean I'm just thinking of the 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 tragedy of the accident right and and being young and on your honeymoon and just so i'm imagining just you know that that time that's so hopeful and 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 exciting and to have something like that happen even the courage to then say i'm still going to have children i'm still going to create this life that i've always wanted despite this accident despite this disability i mean what's strength i i i mean i don't know i'm just wondering i'm curious you know right i mean is that is that what that was is courage and strength and connection between your parents to commit that we're doing this anyway
0: absolutely and together i mean here they are 49 and a half years later in july they celebrate their 50th anniversary and they are they're just partners. They're incredible partners and, and really a testament to, to sticking to what really important. And for them, each other was really important. And I think, you know, much of that comes from being grounded in faith. There is no way I would say they had a perfect marriage. They have a perfect marriage. I don't, I, I truly don't believe that exists, but what I do believe exists is the commitment to desire to grow together. And if you desire to grow together and you commit to that, then you walk that journey together. And, and that's, that's where the magic happens, right? That's, that's where you can support each other and doing the things that you want to do and and really knowing that you have that family there to be there for you. Mm-hmm. And so I, I I think that's that's why it feels like you can live a no-limit life because if you fall, I'm here.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But just know you're not gonna fall. Yeah. Know that falling is not gonna happen to you. And if you do, we're here. We're here, and and I think my mom and my dad saw that and created that for themselves, and they created that for us as a family as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and you know I get that there was also things that you didn't have, you know, like you said, you know, you didn't have your mother for Girl Scouts, and you didn't have your mother to play on the floor, and there were things that she couldn't do. I also kind of hear there's so much that you got because of it, right? That there was so many lessons that probably kids don't get. You know, and you're sharing some of that. Tell me a little bit of of how that starts to kind of play out for you in your life as you as you move beyond being, you know, a a kid into I don't know, maybe your teen years or high school kind of, what kind of person are you? What are you interested in? And how is kind of your family dynamic shaping that?
0: Yeah. Well, Brett, something something quite tragic happened actually when I was 10 years old. And that is that my dad suffered a significant injury and he was in the hospital for three months. And at that point we didn't know what was going to happen for all i knew he was dying mm-hmm. and he was my playmate i was 10 years old and i was losing my playmate i hadn't seen him they hadn't let us it, it he had surgery and it ended up going to this it, it, just horrible experience as a child to see your parent go through that but here I had my mom, who was disabled, and my playmate, who's my dad, and, and he's gone. And what's, what's going to happen? And they finally let us into the hospital. We were crying. My sister and I were just bawling, thinking that he's dying. And they're telling us, no, he's going to be okay. He's going to walk again. I mean, it's, it's just this tragedy upon tragedy. And I remember my dad's neurosurgeon. And I remember talking to him, and here I am, this 10-year-old kid, very inquisitive. And I asked him, I said, could you have done anything better so that my daddy could come home sooner? And he said, no, I'm doing everything I can to get your daddy home as quickly as possible. Mm. And I remember, Brett, walking out of that hospital, and uh, that hospital still stands, and I said to my mom, I want to be a doctor. I want to fix medicine. I want to fix people. As I grew up, I realized, you know, it, it, through my teenage years, I was really good at science, really good at math, love math, love math. I think it's super fun. And, uh, and science is like air. It, 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 it's, it, what it does is that it gives me new knowledge. It gives me excitement and, and it's, I'm, I'm an explorer. And so it gives me the opportunity to explore things that, that I don't know. And science is beautiful that way is that if you are an explorer, if you're an adventurer, science is beautiful because it allows you to dive deep into, into a world that, 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 you can continue to uncover over and over and over again because so much is changing. And so I thought, you know, I should really be a scientist. This is really what I want for myself. And so through high school and I, I was, focused on doing that. I I enjoyed very much a great high school experience and uh, had a lot of fun (laughs) through the process. Uh, But really, when it came down to college, for me, it was time to hunker down to really set my career in place. And I had the privilege to be funded with NIH money to do research. And so at a very early age, I was able to publish and uh, do work on HIV and oral candidiasis. And so it was—it it really was a privilege because it was a time where we didn't know if um, you'll ever survive HIV. And so I was able to do research on um, I, my first talk was on, will, uh, can you transmit HIV through kissing? Hmm. And so it was uh, it, the patients that I worked with, the, the clinical trial that I was working on, they were all gay males that came to to the center to be a part of the study because they were dying mm-hmm. because their partners were dying, and it was this movement of people that were looking to do better in their most dire
1: of times. Mm -hmm.
0: And so those moments to shape your life forever.
1: Yeah, Uh, yes. And you had seen that even going back to the doctor who's saying, you know, uh, yes, I'm doing everything I can. You know, you're seeing, you know, people um, really wanting to try to make people's lives better. And and that's pretty incredible that at 10 years old, you get this experience, which you know by all accounts is really uh, horrific. I mean, you're you don't know what's happening with your dad. He's your your caretaker. You're ten. You're at home with your mother, who's not able to do everything that you need. And and the 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 kind of download that you get out of all of this is I want to go into medicine. Um, this is this is the field that I and and, and at that young age and And then you know what I guess i 'm kind of struck by is you then had the courage or the clarity or the i don 't know there 's some kind of strength that that this that you 're actually going to do this that you then go forward with the rest of your high school and college, knowing that that 's where you 're going to apply your studies in your life uh, you know a lot of people myself included you know I had kind of hits along the way of, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. But then life happens, right? And, you know, maybe other things kind of pull you uh, in different directions, right. right? But in your case, you stayed pretty focused from that moment on what you wanted to do. Yeah. Right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and I think, it, quite honestly, I think, Brett, it really has to do with the matter of, of being able to choose what it is that I wanted to do. And I think oftentimes kids don't have that privilege.
1: They're Mm -hmm. put in a
0: box. They're, you know, they're told you you need to do this, or or, this is how things go. I mean, we know of, of, I mean, we don't have to look too far. If you look in Europe, kids at the age of 12 are deciding what their careers are going to be. Right. Right. Because they get on a track of which, High school they go to, and then which university track they get, or not university track. I mean, I'm not, it's not to say that high school, I mean, that uh, university is for everybody. Yeah. Um, I, I think that at the right time and with the right desires, I think it's important for people to to choose what it is that is important to them, but not everybody has that kind of support.
1: Yeah. And that's the key piece. I mean, you mentioned Sarah Fuller and, you know, kind of the, the inspiration that she is for many. And, and, you know, I think that there's, you know, people that, that say, well, why didn't they get a guy off the men's soccer team? Right. Um, what, sure. what, right. But they actually decided to support women, in that way and, and, and call a woman up. Um, and then, you know, she in turn has the, the kind of confidence to say, yeah, you know, why not me? Right. And, and let me go do this. And, and so what I think is interesting is that, you know, usually society or, or, or people like Sarah Fuller aren't there to inspire yeah, historically, I shouldn't say usually, historically, the box that, that, that women in this case, um, but people in general, it could be any, any kind of box that, that we get placed in based on our, our family, our upbringing, our surroundings, our friends, our own internal fears or worries or doubts or wherever that comes from. People don't end up following that kind of what, I, what I'm calling you know, a calling. You know, when yeah. you get that download, it, it's a calling. And you, you know, depending on what that you believe, is. I know you're you're a woman of faith and and I am too, you know, um, that that we get called to things, but but following the calling is really tough, especially when you're young. And what I think, you know, I'm hearing from you is that you had the real love and support around you from your family from a young age to say you know kind of back to what you said at the beginning like why not me like you can do anything you don't have to be in a box if that's your calling go for it and and you know that's that's really incredible
0: yeah and you know it's it's interesting god bless me with two little girls <laughs> of all things right yeah
1: yeah yeah i got
0: two girls and goodness they're incredible right yeah. but then the challenge comes now you give what you've received. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it's so easy to say, oh, well, yeah, that of course comes naturally. But try, you know, when your kid comes to you and says, well, I don't want to do that. Yeah. Why? You're supposed to. You know, I mean, yeah. but, but the, the loving response that I got was not the you must, right? The loving yeah. response that I got was let's talk about it. Yeah. And so and so having that same reaction, it's not easy. Yeah. You know, I, I was raised with it thinking, oh, this is absolutely how life should be. Yeah. And then when the tables are turned and you have to actually execute on it, it's not so easy.
1: No, it's not so easy. But you're right, that kind of role modeling is is really important, especially when you got to embody what it felt like to have somebody be curious with you and support you in the way that they did you, you want to then do that for other people i mean yeah. that that really is like a generational shift in learning which i think is so critical and no i've i've learned you know on my own that you know i've got to you know make sure i'm modeling the behavior i want my kids to take on as as they go through their lives it really is a lot about how we are being not what we're saying so much but what kind of um, you know, behavior are we modeling? Right, right. Yeah,
0: And that's, you know, that's tough having having a busy job and one that I don't consider a job, as you said, Brett. I consider it a calling. Mm-hmm. And so really being able to make time for both work and make time for family, I mean, that balance is not one that's just easy to take on. Right. But in order for the kids to have the same experience that I've had, that's really what's required is to be really thoughtful and mindful as to how I will make that happen for them, how Mm -hmm. I can execute on that.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I want to talk to you about that. And let's come back to that. I think it's really an important thing as we get to your current work, but tell me a little bit about kind of how you you started to talk about your early career. Tell me a little bit about kind of, you know, the a little more about the the career that led you to your yeah. current work. You know, what what kind of jobs along the way, mentors, you mm-hmm. know, tell me about kind of your experience I know in the startup world um, that yeah. kind of really helped shape you to, to get the courage to do your own, your own Absolutely. gig.
0: Absolutely. I, I think really I've been very entrepreneurial. I somehow I believe it's genetic. And actually, we were looking at a at some uh genetic reports that came out uh from abroad, and, and there's an entrepreneurial gene. We still have more to investigate on that. But um <laughs> my grandmother was an entrepreneur on my mom's side. She had a jewelry store and uh and my uh, family on my dad's side, they're all entrepreneurs in Costa Rica. And uh, so I think genetically I'm one. But but nonetheless, uh, really how how I uh, started my career is I, I was a scientist and I was in the lab. And I'll tell you, Brett, one of the things that I very quickly realized is I love speaking of the research. I love speaking with the patients. I've loved writing about it. I loved investigating it. And what I hated was being in the lab at 4am running Western blocks. I mean, it was Mm -hmm. brutal. Mm -hmm. And so I had a great mentor and, and this is, if you don't have one and you're listening to this, get one. It is so critical. And, and I would say, never think of mentors as somebody that is positionally organized, Don't think of work structure. Think about who you see and whose values you admire and appreciate. And that person can become a mentor. You have something to learn from them regardless. So I had this amazing mentor, and she was an MD, PhD, and she said to me, Go run a hospital somewhere. You'll do great running a hospital. You understand the clinical side, you love the business. So I went and uh, got my, my MPH in health services administration. And in the middle of my master's program, I was hired by Sharp Healthcare, and they are an incredible organization. And very quickly, while being there, within a matter of months, I was working on new physician payment models that today are actually being used. They were innovative back then. They were crazy back then, because how dare you think of paying us as physicians? How dare you think of paying us based off of performance? And this is the patient, the patient needs to be compliant, the patient needs to, right? And so by creating this new payment model, I mean, if you think about it, it was the late 90s. And here we are 20 years later, and that payment model is now being implemented across the country. So it's so fun. So yeah. fun to see that,
1: right? Yeah, it um, really is cool. I love, I love, you know, kind of being able to look back in hindsight and seeing these things that, you know, at the time seemed so innovative. They were innovative, but, but you know, a lot of innovations come and go, you know, and and yes, maybe they're kind of building blocks, but some stick. And it is really kind of fun to be able to look back and go like, wow, like, we were onto something and, and now that's the thing. Like that's the new normal. It's cool. It's really cool.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So awesome. So awesome. So uh, I worked through the medical group, worked in the medical group operationally, which was tremendous fun, really focused on improving access to care, which is something that has been near and dear to my heart. And so uh created new models on how physicians can see patients on new staffing models, I had a wonderful time doing it, working with world-class physicians and just an incredible team. And, and Sharp was amazing in that they invested in me. And so had incredible coaching and, uh, and really at the time where healthcare was really going through a change. And in two thousand through 2004, really going to this more of a pay for performance model. So having great mentors within the organizations, having amazing nurses that I learned so much from, and the experiences really allowed me to help transform an organization culturally. And so the culture of the organization became something that was very keen in my eye. And it's something that I have carried on throughout my career. Culture matters. Culture absolutely matters. And you can talk to a lot of CEOs and they will tell you absolutely culture, 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 culture is important. But at the end of the day, you have to make sure that the culture is really who you are. Because if it's not who you are, It won't transcend your organization. The culture will not propagate if you don't live it. So it can't be something that you put on a piece of paper. It can't be something you throw on your website. It has to actually be something that you truly live. And so one of the things we say at our company is we have a no assholes policy, pardon the French, but uh, (laughs) not French. Uh, (laughs) But it's something that we truly believe in. We think that it's very important, and we just don't hire people that it, it, it's really play nice yeah. is is how it works out. And if you well, don't play nice, you don't get to play with us.
1: No, I, I love that. I think that you know, uh, there's a lot there that I really relate to. I, I think that you know, this idea of culture really being a reflection of you is so important. You're right; culture is talked about. It's it's probably you know kind of become overly trendy and, and discussed as, as a key important factor. But I, I think that, you know, what people don't really always highlight and, and what's most important is this idea that it's just you being you, right? It's kind of like the role modeling that we talked about with your kids, that your parents got, right? You're kind of just setting the tone by just being authentic to who you are. You Culture can't be forced, you know, it's one thing to go through an exercise and to come up with your policies and say no assholes, but like, you got to be that. And in order to be it, it has to really be you or else it's not sustainable. And so, you know, I really think not just from a culture standpoint, but what I love about what you're doing is that it's clearly just who you are. And it was um not just from that point of being 10 and being in the doctor's uh, office or in the hospital with your father but that's kind of what you got to see from birth right being of service and then it became about being of service through medicine and and you know kind of being a, a woman and being able to do anything and you know love and and unconditional love and support right no assholes is because that's not who you are Right, that's not just like a thing. Like, well, assholes are bad to have around. We want to say no. Right, that's because like you inherently are no assholes, and I think that's really critical to get people to follow. Right, to get them to want to buy in, and and even as it pertains to hiring and 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 firing and retaining. Right, like if you know who you are and you know what you stand for and what you don't. You just tell people and you, you, you see who agrees. And those are the people that you, you hire.
0: Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And I think, you know, what I have found is that people self-select out if it's not a match for them. And I think most people would love to work in a place where there are no assholes, right? They'd love, that's what they'd love to do. But at the end of the day, if they are one right? Or, or if they have tendencies to not play nice, right? If they have a tendency to not play nice, then that's going to show. And yeah. that's not going to be comfortable for them if they're the only one that's not playing
1: nice. Mm-hmm. Right. No question. Okay. So let's talk about with health. Um, uh, it combines precision health with telemedicine to make access to special, specialty physicians affordable and immediate. That, that That's you know what it says here in your bio. Explain that to people. Tell us exactly what you're doing, and what i'm I'm super excited about and intrigued with is how that's going right now. I mean, yeah. what a wild time to be in this wild. specific niche. It, it's got to be like, like I, like,, I don't know what just happened, but like, here we are, and we couldn't be better equipped for this wild opening in the world. You know, tell me a little bit about it.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So I'll I'll tell you the genesis of it, if you don't mind. Yeah, please. Uh, Please. Because uh, I was with the startup before with health and it was a masterclass, I'll tell you, on how to really put together a company. And I learned all the things of what to do well. And I learned the things not to do well, <laughs> not to do.
1: Yeah, And,
0: yeah. Uh, and it, one of the things that I learned to do well is to work with your board. And so I had just finished doing a, uh, a executive roundtable with one of my board members and really what we were doing is talking to health system CEOs, the largest health system CEOs across the country, and learning from them that what was ailing healthcare was access to care.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's what was ailing healthcare.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: uh, Senator Tom Daschle and I went out and started talking to people, and it was clear. And it was this bipartisan approach that we were having. It was not political, mm-hmm. but I had the expert who was an author on the Affordable Care Act with me, talking with healthcare executives and really understanding that the solution was not there. The Affordable Care Act was not the solution. And so I got on the plane um, in New York City and I flew from New York to San Diego exhausted and I couldn't stop writing. I wrote my business plan on that flight. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I got off the plane, I reached out to the smartest people I know and I started asking them for their input. And I said, blow holes all over this. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm very privileged to have very smart, entrepreneurial, tech savvy people in my life because of the work that I've done throughout the years. And so it was remarkable. Everybody that I talked to said, this is unbelievable. So mm-hmm. what is this? So this is, Precision Health is. Using
1: Wait, your- I want to pause you just for one second yeah. before you say okay. that, because I am kind of curious, you know, you're on this flight and and you write the business plan and you write a plan that, that, you know, consistently everybody says, this is great. Tell me a little bit about kind of, the experience of writing that plan on the plane i get that your whole life has led up to this right and the experience you just had really kind of brought you to this point but was it what, what was it like to kind of write that plan on the plane
0: i couldn't write fast enough mm mm-hmm that's what it was like. So I had a notepad and funny enough, I'm still a paper. I love my computer and, Mm -hmm. but I, I I still use pen and paper. And, uh, and I had my notepad, my yellow notepad, which I still have. And I just was writing furiously. I just couldn't stop. It was, I couldn't put my thoughts on paper any quicker it was it was remarkable and i started drawing pictures and and i started mapping out how we would how we would integrate across the country because thing is i understand the regulations because i've been doing this my whole life so right. i know i know what was going to be the roadblocks and so i created the model that was outside of those roadblocks. I knew that there were regulations in regards to insurance. So I circumvented certain things so that we could make things happen. And then I knew genomics because I was in the lab business. So I understand that piece as well. And really, so it was the process of just writing and writing. And then about, I would say about two hours after that, my flight was about five and a half hours, five hours. And then I started, I opened up my PowerPoint and I started writing out the deck. I started writing out the purpose and, and really it, it it came together very, very quickly. Mm -hmm. It was exhilarating because as soon as I could see the pieces all coming together, I felt like, then what? And so then it would come together and then it was the, then what? And so I I kept asking myself what comes after it. Uh And so I think really, Brett, I think what was most critical in that point is that I put myself in the patient's shoes. I didn't put myself in the shoes of an entrepreneur. I put myself in the shoes of the patient experience. So that was a skill set, I think, that truly helped me build this model because I didn't start with the financial end in mind, I started out with a patient problem that I was trying to fix.
1: Yeah, I think that's so, really, really great, great advice. I mean, you're you're not giving advice; you're you're saying you what your experience was. But I, I I hope that people hear that as um, advice. That that it's it's often you know I think today, especially with kind of some of the VC backed companies that are kind of aiming to be unicorns and billion-dollar valuations. And there's so much talk around kind of IPO and how do you, you know, kind of raise money and capital and, you know, appealing to that model. What, what I think you're saying is you are starting with a problem that somebody else has it might be a problem that you've experienced which is okay too but there are problems that you're trying to solve even if it's for you it's it's not just you it's you're one of many you know in your case you know an enormously large market that are having a problem and you want to solve that problem and i think it's okay to talk about how that might end up creating real wealth and oh, and sure. right But 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 it's it's it starts with what problems am I solving? How can I solve important problems, problems that would be really helpful to a lot of other people? And if we do that, then sure, a lot's gonna come from it. And and I'm also just wanting to kind of highlight that I think it's really amazing that you know you get to that point where you're in the plane and it just kind of flows out of you. You can't write fast enough. But but I think there's a, there's a number of things that are happening there. One of which, which is really critical, is that you had all of the other life experiences, right? You had all the jobs, you had all the studying, you had all the life experience. It, it's not something that comes quick and easy, right? right. You, you had to go through all of that, all of it, to get to the point where you said, okay, now, now I, I got it. Here it is, right and and let's write it all out, and then that's like the flow that's like okay, now it's just coming through me, it's coming out of me, but it's not just like sit around, wait for the download to happen, you know the skies depart, like you did the heavy lifting all up until that point to be able to even be in the position to to have that clarity exactly,
0: well, and Brett, then comes the challenge of what do I do with this because. Right. I am, at that point, I became a single mom Mm -hmm. with a six-month-old daughter and a six-year-old daughter. And I have a great job, making good money, very happy and satisfied with my job. But now I have a burden. I have a burden of this work plan, this business plan that I must execute. I must, I must, because it's the true solution. And now what do I do? I have these two kids that I have to provide for. And how how do I make all this work? Mm-hmm. And this is back to that no limits where we started the conversation mm-hmm. today. That is the you pull on all the people that love and support
1: you and and you jump in both feet. Mm-hmm. And well, you took, jump in both feet. Yeah. You know, and, and, it, and not not everybody does, you know. So right. um well, you, Brett, I had yeah. two little kids and I went
0: two and a half years without a salary.
1: Mm-hmm. I was
0: paying the rest of the team before I took up my own salary. Mm-hmm. And that I felt was really important because it really is uh it for me it was critical, but I'll tell you, it's scary. Yeah. It is scary, and and even members of your own tribe, if you will, may say, "Well, when are you going to get a job? When are you gonna When are you going to get income? Or, sure. how are you doing this? Oh Aren't yeah, you scared? Right. Aren't you worried? Aren't you?
1: And right. and, so, and wait, you should. Wait. Maybe even worse than that, it's maybe why isn't she? And she should be. And you know what's right? wrong? I mean, there's it could come in a number of different ways.
0: Exactly, and you yeah. know what, Brett, what. My answer was over and over again, but it wasn't an answer of the head. It was an answer of the heart. I have the solution. And the thing is, if we don't execute on this, things will continue to fail. Healthcare will not thrive in the way that it should, and people won't get the care that they need. And so it, for me, it was a mission. It became this incredible mission to carry this out and and knowing, you know what? Things are going to be okay. Financially, things are going to be okay. And I saw my bank account keep going down, 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 down. And you, know, you have your obligations and here it goes down, 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 down. But, but at the end of the day, you know you're doing the right thing.
1: Yeah. So well, no well, fear, no fear, all in because you're doing the right thing. Yeah, wow, wow, that is uh, awesome. Okay, let's talk about what it is. Tell tell everybody what what is it that that you're doing, and and you know, kind of how is it going right now?
0: So, Brett, with Health is really put together to solve access to care. It's to make healthcare affordable and accessible for everyone. And so, our model is a membership model. It's a flat rate to join, an annual fee. And then your doctor's visits are $25 to $85, all medical specialties. That's it. Mm -hmm. No insurance. You don't have to submit prior authorizations. It's all all flat rate, $25 to $85. That's it. Mm -hmm. You can see a cardiologist when you want it. No prior authorization, no referral. It's when you want it, when you need it. $25 to $85 That's it. It's all about access to care. So how do we do that? We've built some enablers. And so the enablers that we've built, including our intellectual property, stem from the stem the genesis of our intellectual property are those enablers. And mm-hmm. so the With Health Digital Twin, which allows us to really take a view of you, Brett. So we, we're able to take your health information including your genomics, including your health history. And we're able to assemble the picture of your total health so that you can see a physician cold. Mm -hmm. You don't need this referral from one doctor to another. You don't need one visit after another visit after another visit. You can do it all together because we've been able to put all of your information. And so it changes the experience for the physicians. The physicians are actually able to do what they want to do, which is practice medicine and not spend 11 minutes per visit charting. They're Mm -hmm. able to spend that time talking to you, creating a plan with you on how you can improve your health and address what ails you today, but not just address that symptom, take care of you from a holistic approach. So we really are a comprehensive approach. It's not just a one and done. We're not your traditional telemedicine company that treats the itises, the conjunctivitis, the bronchitis. Mm -hmm. It's not that we are a comprehensive model that has primary care, psychiatry, cardiology, rheumatology. We span the gamut on all of the medical specialties.
1: Mm -hmm. Wow. And, and, you know, what I'm struck by is just how simple you make it, you know, and how, how simple it sounds. I mean, it, it's not, you know, there's, there's a lot of complexity to doing what you just described, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, it, incredible amounts of complexity. But at the end, the product, the, the user experience seems so simplified that, you know, this part about uh, making access affordable and immediate. You know, that's, thats really the brilliance of this—is that it's—it's—it's it's, it's been so simplified for the user that it is afford affordable and immediate, right?
0: Right, and yeah. you don't have to go through all these hoops with your insurance company. It's just immediate. Yeah, you know, I, I, if things happen. You may have a uh, an aunt that suffered a heart attack. And here you are sitting at the dinner table going, well, what's my predisposition? Should I be concerned Mm -hmm. about having a heart attack? I've never had a cholesterol screening. Should I have a cholesterol screening? Mm -hmm. And these are questions that you ask. Well, what happens is, yeah, you ask those questions, but then you have to try to figure out how to schedule an appointment with your doctor. When can you get in? How about having an experience where it feels like you have a doctor in the family, you go to your phone And you get on with your with health doctor and you're able to have that conversation from the dinner table.
1: Yeah. And then and then how about being in the telemedicine business uh, when when COVID hits? I mean, come on.
0: (laughs) Here's here's the thing, It When COVID hit, it was we serve proudly our American Indian, Alaska Native clients. We have a lot of those as well. And being of service to them was remarkable because they completely shut down. So having that opportunity was great. Then shortly thereafter, we became the telemedicine provider for the County of San Diego, where the County of San Diego was looking to take the patients out of the hospital, put them in alternative discharge centers to open up beds so that other COVID patients can come in and those patients could be seen. So that was remarkable to put together that plan, to put together That opportunity for the county of San Diego was just incredible, something that we would never imagine. But it basically became a center where people would stay and with health providers would address it all through telemedicine. And so that the county had that much trust in with health to be able to partner with us really is a testament to the team at with health and all the capabilities that we have. So I'll tell you, Brett, shortly thereafter, we got approached with, we sell to employers. That is our primary market. And the employers were asking for help on how do we get back to work? Things are getting a little better. How do we get access to care that way? And you know what became the access question? Testing. Testing became access to care. That care has been very difficult to get. Because testing takes so long, testing takes forever, this is unreal, I can't get a result for seven days. Well, guess what happens after seven days? You've been shedding, right? I mean, it really is a problem. And so what we did uh, is we put together a model that would support workplace safety. And so we disseminated that model across employers all across the U.S. And then we got tapped on the shoulders by Productions. And so now we work with some of the top production houses, all household names, things that are on your computer, uh, and we're able to support them being at work. And so access to care means that these productions can't be at work if they don't have testing. You can't do a movie with a mask on.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: You have to have that testing. You have to have that available. So We stayed true to our mission, which is access to care for all. And what is that access? That access is testing. So we set up laboratories inside of production studios to be able to support their testing needs. And now we've been able to support thousands, and we support thousands every day through that process. And we're helping people get back to work, do it safely, and access care when they want it. When they need it,
1: yeah, incredible, and I love just kind of how this now like is this explosion of uh, creativity and innovation and and outcomes, right? Yeah. That that really is kind of the culmination of your whole life, and and I really appreciate hearing that journey, that story. I mean, it's really a very good one, and and you know everybody's got a story. Everybody's life journey has a purpose. And that's the point of this podcast is to be, for people to hear how you've really used it and how you can really use it to serve you and create from that place and create in abundance, which which is exactly what you're doing. So Uh, Thank you. Thank you for being here. Any kind of final thoughts, any other information you want the audience to know, where to find you, anything else that you're up to that you want to make sure sure you share with with our audience?
0: Sure. A, a, A couple of things, actually. So the first thing is belief. And that is, if you believe it, truly believe it, not in your head, but in your heart, you can accomplish it. So belief is really where it all begins. And if you believe it, you can manifest it. There is no question about it. It is absolutely possible. And it's like I say, it's the story of my life. I, I, I celebrate Christmas and you can plug in whichever holiday you celebrate. But I say it's Christmas every day at With Health. And I'll tell you, pick up the phone, call a With Health employee. They'll tell you the same thing because it really feels that way. You see the miracles that happen every single day. And so I, I think belief is the most important thing. And if I can share anything at all, is that if, just have a practice of quieting your mind, knowing what you believe in, and just believe that that itself can occur and it will. And then the second thing is follow us. Follow us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, follow us on Twitter. We'd love to hear your thoughts. We'd love to hear what your needs are. We're customizing every day. And so please reach out to us uh, info at withhealth.com. You can always look me up on LinkedIn. I'm active on LinkedIn. Happy to connect with you, have a conversation. If you're looking for a mentor, I'm happy to point you in the direction of some amazing mentors, some amazing coaches as well. But I think it's, it, it's super important. Find somebody that you admire whose values you're aligned to and keep a connection with them because I think that's very important.
1: Well said. That's really wonderful. Cindy, thanks again. Really appreciate you being here and having an opportunity to, to hear your story.
0: Thank you, Brett. I appreciate it. Super fun.
1: Thank you for listening to the Gravity Podcast. Please subscribe to the show at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To learn more about the entire Gravity Project, please go to gravityproject.com. Please check out the podcast on Instagram at The Gravity Podcast. Music heard of the show is provided courtesy of Kyle Lamoro and Oliver Oak.